Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 15 and 16 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. Oh my goodness, Libby, how's your week been? It's been good. I mean, yeah, not not too nothing too crazy. It's been the first time in like a month that I haven't been sick finally or in pain. So I I classify that as a win, a, a really big win. It's fine. It just switched over to me, so everything's great now. Oh, oh good, great. I finally got to um, the spicy scenes in Throne of Glass because I've actually been reading Throne of Glass for the first time ever, and. Uh, I was pretty excited to finally get to, to the, the darker stuff, N- not darker, the spicier stuff. And <laughs> the only thing was it, I hit the, the, the dirty scenes while I was in the waiting room to get a new ID. Um, so I was like trying to play it cool and read as if it wasn't some very detailed fake horn going on. <laughs> I'm I'm sure they knew, but it's okay. I was like, well, and it was on it was on a military base, so like everyone in there is like very professional and in uniform, and I'm just sitting here like trying. I'm trying to like not blush and not not get super flustered. <laughs> I was reading smut, and I felt I kept like glancing around too, and I kept thinking like, stop glancing around, or they're gonna know because you keep looking around to make sure that they don't know. We don't have to be embarrassed about that. I have a, a less embarrassing thing. Okay. We got a puppy. Oh. Her name is Luna. So we've got a Nova and a Luna. What kind. She is a dachshund. So a little dosh hound or little wiener dog. <laughs> and she's got the most beautiful freaking blue eyes that I've ever seen in my entire life. We'll put um, some photos up on our Instagram this week and show you guys her. Oh, good. I was just going to say, like, now you have to, now you have to introduce her. But Luna Marie is the cutest thing in the entire world. She is technically my husband's dog. Now I'm saying that with air quotes because, um, I'm the one that's home with her all day, every day. So she is very much my dog, but let him think, let him, let him hope. Let him hold on to the belief. That's awesome. And then um, the thing that was not so great, I went to sit down um, today to record with you. And um, instead of, you know, sitting down in my chair normally, I fell and bruised my arm really bad and might have a concussion. (laughs) It's been a great week. Yesterday I was so sick we couldn't record. And then today I just fell and almost died before recording. So just want to let you guys know, I really love this podcast. You you really rushed past that concussion thing. Like you you literally just told me you were lying on the ground thinking that you just died. So yeah. So that our listeners know how much you just gave to be here. I've lost the decent amount of weight, right? So we're at 95 pounds now. And so my balance is off because my body's kind of counteracting a whole negative 
pull human off my you know body yeah and so I went to sit in the chair where I would normally sit in the chair but like a hundred pounds ago sit in the chair and I am no longer that large and so I accidentally sat on a half of the chair Ugh. and then the whole chair fell over and then I had this like hundred it's not hundred it's like 50 pounds of a chair laying on me smashing my arm I hit my head against this like metal part of my kitchen table if I don't wake up tomorrow this was my last podcast I will upload this when we're done so you can learn how to record am I supposed to put like an in memoriam like part of this like any last words Abby at my funeral make sure everyone wears black only Oh, God. I'm not playing this podcast at your funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Abby's last words. Fuck the chair. (laughs) Also, you're going to hear creaking and bags going and my little anxiety flippity flop thing. Because I got to try to stay awake. Because it is also midnight here. You're like, you just have all the things. It's a lot. It's fine. But Libby, do you have a question to distract me this week? I do. The question of the week is if you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be and why? I have a very easy answer to this. Took no thought. Okay. The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, okay. Now, this came out at the peak time of me being an emotional teenager. (laughs) Hormones. I think like the movie came out was when I was 18 right? Oh no. Oh no. And my best friend at the time who we don't speak of and I went to go see this movie and I read the book and I remember reading the book the scene, my senior year in high school and sobbing. And I was like, I know the ending. It's not going to affect me that much. And the movie theater like workers were laughing at me at the way out of this movie oh. because I had so much mascara running down my whole face. I was sobbing my eyes out because it was so, the acting was just so good. I would kill to see that movie for the first time again. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that you say that about like crying and like the movie theater workers laughing. Because like my sister, one of my sisters, me and one of my sisters went with my mom to go see that movie. Um, and she didn't really, like she knew kind of what it was about, but she didn't know obviously that it was going to break you emotionally. So we went to go see it. And this particular sister uh, doesn't get emotional in that way very much or often at all. You don't say no. (laughs) You know her. Yeah, Sunshine, I'm calling you out. It it gets to the part where Augustus is, he's, he's dying. And my mom is sobbing. Don't mention it. I'll cry again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my mom is sobbing. Obviously, like I'm tr- I'm crying, but my mom is sobbing and she's pretty good about holding it together. And so my sister in this very quiet theater where everyone is quietly sobbing, turns to my mom and very loudly goes, are you crying? Just very, like everyone heard it. Everyone. And like the rage, like my mom, like because she's she's heartbroken and my sister's calling her out so that like it's funny she's like yes i'm sobbing it's a sad movie how dare you (laughs) i think everybody sobbed watching that movie but what's your movie uh okay this is like really hard so there there's several movies but i have like i have i have two there's um pride and prejudice because and specifically i believe it's 2008 with keira knightley i've never seen it i've also never read the book but Oh my god, Abby. Oh. My husband and I play a game called Abby, have you seen this? And the answer is always no. Libby, we've been through this. No, I know. Like your husband and I have more 
in common with movies and stuff than you and I do, which is wild. It'd be between Pride and Prejudice, but also Howl's Moving Castle. I literally knew you were going to say that. I was like, I already know the answer. I, like, I still, I watch that several times throughout the year. All this, like, I, it is aesthetically, it's just uh, so appealing to me. Like, any Miyazaki film to me is so calming for me. But aesthetically, in the story... I can remember the first time I saw that. Oh, yeah? My husband took me out to an ice cream date. <laughs> and we got the ice cream to take home from this cute little place in southern Illinois. Um, from the town I was born in, actually. Okay. And he took me back to the house and he's like, I have a movie for you. And he put it on and it, it was gorgeous. He's like, you're going to love it because I'm not a huge anime fan. Yeah. And he's like, just trust me. It's gorgeous. You like art. And it, oh. Oh, yeah. You you don't have to like anime to like Studio Ghibli. You like, you really don't. It's, yeah. If I could see that again, like for the first time, I just remember being in awe. Like I still am, but the first time, ugh. Yeah. First time we're going to see Akatar on Hulu. I think about that so much. Speaking of which, I don't know how accurate this information is. You have news? It, kind of, kind of. I Again, I don't know how accurate this information is. I sent it to you before. When did you send it? Was it during my 24 hours of death? It was probably when you were lying on the ground trying to figure out if your neck was <laughs> okay, broken. Great. Yeah. So there's a rumor that Hulu, as of now, has the rights of season one to Akatar. But that the following seasons have already been taken by HBO. How is that going to work? I don't know. Do you think HBO is going to buy out Hulu for season one then? I think I think that's how it would have to go. Again, I don't know how accurate this information is. But HBO has the kind of budget that this kind of show would deserve. That's what I was thinking. If, yes. I have chills. I don't know if that's concussion or from what you told me, but... Well, because hopefully from what I told you, God. <laughs> but like HBO, it, they they have Game of Thrones and um, House of Dragons. And you see what they do with those shows. HBO has the budget. They have the means to make those shows what they're supposed to be, what they deserve to be. And it needs such a large budget. I think anything fantasy does. Oh, yeah. But especially with the world creation that we have here. Yes. It needs such a large budget. And with Tamlin turning into Monster Man. I was going to say, there's going to be so much CGI for something like this. I mean, the fandom has, I've seen a lot of people say, don't make this a live action, make it an anime because then you can make it what it's supposed to be. I know as someone who doesn't like anime, Abby's like not, not pleased with this right now. As an anime hater, self-declared anime hater, no, 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 no. I would cry so hard. That's such a strong word. It needs to be live action. <laughs> I'm also worried about the casting. I know everyone is with me on this. I'm so worried. There are so many people that should not be cast. And I've told my husband, like, we are all against certain actors and actresses being cast. And he's like, that's so mean. And I'm like, no, no. Like, it needs to, you have to... Oh, you have to do it right. All right, lady. Are you ready for your chapter? I am. Chapter 15. Right away, we pick back up with the Naga, who appear to be a disturbing mixture of serpent and human. The Naga are creatures of the nightmare stories passed down by humans. They are the beasts that sneak through the wall to torture humankind. There are four of them, and one shows their piercingly sharp teeth and forked tongue in a smile as Favor draws back her arrow, aiming for the center one. 
The Naga are pleased at the sight of the trap cereal and the human meal, no matter how gangly, before them. Favor knows all she must do is scream, and Lucian would be there, but her breath is faint, and she begins to question if he would even bother to show up for her. Favor backs away, still aiming her arrow, heading slowly for the stream in the manor behind her. The cereal ushers a plea for Feyre, human, hoping for her to free him still. The Naga circle in closer as Feyre continues backing away, still unsure of what she may do. Feyre draws her bowstring further and finally lets loose a blood-curdling scream with whatever breath she has left, then releases the arrow from her bow onto the tether holding the cereal in its trap. The snare shatters and the cereal wastes no time in its escape, startling the Naga back a step. The closest Naga lunges for the cereal and Feyre set an arrow flying into the Naga. The hit Naga fell back and the remaining three dove for Feyre, but she was gone already. With all that she had in her, Feyre sprinted for the stream, knowing outrunning these terrors was her only chance for survival. She knew she couldn't waste a moment checking behind her. She had to get to Lucian. Favor focuses on making it to this possible place of safety, but still the thought that Lucian might not follow through to save her lingers. Favor leaps over the stream and quickly learns that the cereal might have a problem crossing the running water, but the Naga certainly don't. Favor dashes through the thickets, which shred her face in the process, but to no avail. The Naga catch up to cut her off on both sides. As the one on the right closes in, Favor leaps and stumbles, yet somehow managing to stay standing. The Naga to the left jumps to her, but Feyre sends an arrow right into the disgusting face, causing bones to audibly crunch. Feyre doesn't stop. She runs on to find a third Naga in front of her. She tries to hit him with her bow, but he dodges, and two Naga now stand behind her. They've got her trapped, and they're not impressed with her fight. Feyre doesn't have to muster anything. She knows this fight with her and with them isn't over. Feyre swings her bow again, still missing her target. She resolves to find a way out, to not go down as a weakling. The dark clawed hand of the Naga reaches and snaps her bow. Another Naga snatches her by the throat and throws her to the ground. They tell Feyre how they plan to tear her apart so thoroughly that there won't even be bits for the crows to pick at. Without thinking, Feyre's instincts take over and she pulls a sheathed knife from her boot and plunges it into its new home, the neck of a hovering Naga. Feyre is bathed in its blood and she screams in gut-wrenching terror, still managing to rise from below the now dead Naga before the remaining two can entrap her. She doesn't get far before her face hits something hard and she hits the ground, losing focus and sight. Fear seems to creep in as she tells herself she cannot in this way. One of the two Naga gets a hold of Feyre and tosses her again to the ground, promising with amusement to bleed her out slowly. The Naga begins to speak more threats when a roar rips through the air. The roar was still sounding when one of the Naga are thrown into the surrounding trees, breaking the wood in the process. Tamlin tears the Naga apart, sinking his long claws into the Naga. The roar was still sounding when one of the Naga was thrown into the surrounding trees, breaking the wood in the process. Tamlin tears the Naga apart, sinking his long claws in. The remaining final Naga, who has now released Feyre and is shrieking in horror, tries to flee, but doesn't make it far before Tamlin disembowels it with one swipe. Feyre is still laying on the ground, shaking ferociously, thinking to herself only the words, Hi, Lord, over and over. Tamlin kneels beside her, and Feyre flinches. He reaches for her, and she jolts away, pulling herself into a sitting position. Tamlin's roar is still ringing in her head as she asks him simply, how? He gently tells her he had been tracking a pack and these four had escaped and found her scent. Tamlin heard her screams and came without hesitation. Tamlin softly runs his hand across her injuries, using magic to heal them. Favor takes in the sight of him and thinks again, Hi, Lord. She tells herself she should have known. She should have figured it out. Favor resigns that maybe she was in denial. 
Maybe she had been too afraid. Tamlin asks Feyre if he even wants to know why she's out there at all. Feyre lies and says that she thought she was allowed to wander and must have gone off too far. He tells her from now on to stay close to the manor when he's called off to deal with trouble. Feyre nods and thanks him for saving her. She bites back the urge to tell him how much it meant to know that she was even worth saving to him. He tells her it was the least he could do and beckons for her to go home. But Feyre doesn't feel like this is home. Feyre feels like she has no home. They go back in silence, and Feyre thinks of the Sir Ariel's words, Stay with the High Lord. Feyre begrudgingly accepts this advice, and the advice to stop looking for more information. Feyre remained silent and didn't push at Tamlin. She could tell he wasn't proud or triumphant of his victory over the Naga. Instead, he seemed ashamed. Chapter 16. Feyre enjoyed a long, luxurious bath before letting Alice tend to her hair. After enjoying sips of delicious hot cocoa Alice had brought up, Feyre begins to ask Alice a question. If more fairies keep crossing the border to attack, would there be a war? Alice wasn't inclined to answer Feyre's line of questioning and advised to let Tamlin deal with it, because he's the only one who could. Feyre remembered what the surreal had said, but pushed back Alice's attack on her actions earlier that day. Feyre asked what Alice would have done if she had a family to protect, and Alice told Feyre that she did have a family. Everything Alice did and had worked for was for her remaining family, her two orphan nephews. After learning of the children, Feyre asked Alice more about them. Did they live near? Did they age the same as humans? Alice stated her nephews lived far, far away, and though some fey aged like humans and could have children quickly and easily, the high fey aged slower and conceiving was difficult. The high fey young are rare and more precious to them than any gold or jewel. Feyre apologized to Alice, stating that she didn't mean to question her loyalty to her nephews, and that she understood all too well what dedicating your life to the welfare of your family meant. Alice said the next time that Feyre took any advice from Lucian in regards to how to trap the cereal, Feyre should come to her instead. Dead chickens were unnecessary. All Feyre needed to do was offer the cereal a new robe, and he would have been in the palm of her hand. Feyre entered the dining room and greeted the two men in front of her. Lucian attempted to compliment Feyre on how good she still looked after her rough day, and Feyre stated that she thought Faye couldn't lie. Lucian grinned and asked Feyre where she heard that because it was completely untrue. He said even Iron did them no harm, only Ash, but he reminded Feyre snidely that she already knew that. She wondered if the cereal was lying earlier that day. She then stared at Tamlin and reminded herself that he was, in fact, the High Lord. Tamlin assured Feyre that the two had never willingly lied to her. He pulled out a piece of paper and began to read off the list of words she didn't know from her time in the study. Hearing them read off made her realize just how easy the words were. She became embarrassed. He handed her, li- he handed her the list of words, and she plunged it into her pocket. As she left to move again, he grabbed her arm. He said, You love them very much, don't you? Those words made Feyre freeze in place. He continued aloud, how he wondered if her family realized it, that all she ever did was for their sake. He then offered to help her with her writing, but she curtly asked him to leave her alone. Tamlin remarked again about how much Feyre gave up for her family. He asked if she even knew how to laugh. Feyre shook off his grasp and said she didn't want his pity. He replied, but he could be her friend instead. Feyre didn't even think fairies could be friends with mortals, but Tamlin let her know 500 years ago there were enough fairies who were friends with the mortals that they went to war on behalf of the mortals. Feyre hadn't heard that before. Tamlin said there were fairies who fought and died alongside humans for the human's freedom, and fairies who mourned when the only solution was to separate the two kinds with a wall and a treaty. Tamlin was too young to fight at the time, only a child, but he said that if he was old enough, he would have fought to defend their freedom. 
Tamlin let Feyre know that her family did think she was safe. They now thought that some long-lost rich aunt had called Feyre away to help on her deathbed. They knew she was alive, fed, and cared for. They also knew rumors of a threat in Perinthian and are ready to run if any of the warning signs about the wall falling happen. Tamlin told her that he glamoured their memories because he was afraid of her father coming after her. Feyre didn't think that was necessary. Her father would never but Tamlin disagreed. Feyre clarified by asking, did he really warn them about the possible threat? Tamlin answered, not an outright warning, but it was woven into the glamour of their memories, that and to run if need be. At that moment, Feyre realized two things. One, her vow to her mother was fulfilled. And two, she had absolutely no idea what was left for her now. Quietly, she asked Tamlin for paint and brushes. He happily replied that he would have them for her as soon as possible, along with paper and canvas. She was authorized to paint wherever she liked. He then asked her if she'd seen the gallery. Feyre, surprised, asked if there was a gallery in the house at all. Tamlin grinned and said he'd have it cleaned and ready with her in two days' time. That smile, without hesitation, made Favor catch her breath. Isaac had never made her catch her breath, had never smiled in such a way towards her. It caused such a startle in her that she walked out of the room. Okay, girl, you, you leave that room with the two cute men and the one that's giving you butterflies. It may not be the one that would have given me butterflies, but yeah, you do you. You do you, boo-boo. <laughs> Look, I just want to say, I put a poll up on our Instagram over who the favorite um, male was so far between Lucian and Tamlin. One person chose Tamlin, and then they sent us a message to tell us they didn't mean to choose Tamlin. And I feel for her, because, like, that would make me so upset to have accidentally chosen Tamlin. But I just want to say it was unanimous all of us agree that Lucian was the better choice. But I have to tell you, she's starting to get those feels. The girl's starting to fall, and it's actually really cute. And can you blame her? Because Tamlin is honestly being so sweet. He's letting her know that her family thinks she's fine. He's letting her know that she... Paint? Holy shit. Do you know that we have a whole gallery here that I had closed off because I didn't think anybody would care, but I'll I'll have my maids clean that all up for you, and then I'll show you in two days' time when I'm free, and I'll get you paintbrushes, and I'll get you canvas, and paper, and everything you could possibly want. Like, wouldn't you also fall a little bit? So when I first read that, I was choking back tears. I was actually very emotional for her to finally be able to say that she she wanted to paint. I was like shouting at the book, like, say, say it, say paint. And then she was, she just kind of like breathed it out. Like it was a relief that she could say paint. I want to paint. And like she could say something, she could ask for something she wanted. She was not in survival mode for, for like the first time in what, forever? Well, Libby, my favorite quote is the page before that. And it's um, on page 145, it says, my vow fulfilled, my task complete, what was left for me. To me, this was the first time where she wasn't sad about it. She wasn't like, what's the point? Right. Like she was like, okay, what do I want? Like she shifted. She was finally able to say, I like not even selfish. Like I can want things. I can move on. She's like, I, I can paint and not feel guilty. And I mean, she like looks at his mask and sees all the, the warming warm gold colors and the firelight flicking on him and she's like i want paint can we do that and this man is like we can do whatever you want paint is easy it'll take me a bit to get it but absolutely my my favorite thing like this like this was the first time that i didn't hate him this was the first time that i i was i swooned a little because he 
like it was really cute when he was like you can paint wherever you can paint on the roof like i was just like oh okay oh it's like don't don't no don't give me the feels tam damn it like i was mad no and then at the very end libby he gives her that smile that literally makes her heart stop and you're like oh right and she's just like i've never felt this before and i was like whoa like, Farah. She's like, Isaac never made me feel that way. Also, we've had zero smut in this book, and I have been Nine. waiting to use my purple highlighter to highlight some smut. <laughs> so um, that's all we've gotten so far. So you bet your little pretty butt that this was, of course, highlighted in purple. Yeah, you busted out the purple. <laughs> At a smile. This is what Bestie's doing to me. She's reducing me to a smile. Abby's ready, guys. She's ready to get to the smut. We're not far off. Well, okay. I think it's just because it's a just just juxtaposition. This uh, concussion is really doing great things. Um, between Lucian not showing up when Feyre needed help and Tamlin being there and saving her was like a very stark thing to me. I was very frustrated with Lucian because he really went out of his way to reassure her that he would be there if she needed him. And she screamed how many times and he never showed up. Also, Alice being like, hey, next time you need to summon someone, come to me because you didn't need dead chickens. All you needed was a new robe. <laughs> I, I was like, he better have just not known this. He better be that dumb because if he like how, what the heck, Lucian? I've been rooting for you. I do have to tell you, I fell in love more with Alice in that moment. <laughs> and I was like, I get why Libby loves her because that made me honestly laugh out loud when I was reading this book. You know what I found shocking was that this is the first time has ever had hot chocolate. She's poor as dirt. They're not warming up dirt for hot chocolate. She wasn't forever. She had like eight years of, of wealth before they lost it all. Did it say it was the first time she had it? Yeah, she was like, this was so good. All right, hold on. I don't think it said it was the first time, buddy. Page turning, page turning. It was like the first line in chapter 16. Let's see, hold on. It was the best thing I'd ever tasted, is all it says. Okay, well, I'm assuming that meant she had never tasted it before. Okay, so, but she also doesn't say hot chocolate. She says drink, molten chocolate, which do you know the difference? Because I didn't know it till I moved over here. There's a difference? Okay, then I, wow, please enlighten me. Yes. Okay, so um, American hot chocolate is like a, a hot chocolate powder that you mix in usually with like what? Milk or water, right? Yeah. It's a it's the consistency of milk. It's not thick. Right. In, in Europe... They have drinking chocolate, which is literally melted chocolate, thick consistency, almost like a melted pudding. Huh. And you drink it and it like coats your whole throat. Oh. And it is like literally melted drinking chocolate. I have never had this. I want some. I'm going to send you. They have some in a package. Um, I'll send you some for Christmas this year. Please do. Oh my goodness. And that's what it made me think of this thick, luxurious drinking chocolate. When I read this, I was picturing just like the cheapy little, just a little packet of hot chocolate. I'm like, what do you mean you've never had hot chocolate? Even before your family was poor, you never had it. But that, that changes things. Well, because it's not an expensive thing. So when she had that, I was like, ooh, girl, now you're making me want hot cocoa. And I just realized I have some leftover. <laughs> well, and Alice, like, Alice gives, she's just, I love how like sassy and motherly she is at the same time. And we find out 
Alice has nephews that she takes care of. You know, my aunt, my auntie heart was exploding at that. Right? I, She's like, I've given up everything and I do everything for my nephews. And I was like, girl, same. Right? I would give up everything and do everything for mine too. So I feel you. <laughs> I, I'm just grateful that Farah has a figure like Alice in her life. Because like Alice seems to be like, she's not going to put up with anything. But she's still kind of like, kind of looking out for her, you know? Well, wait, Libby, you dropped the most important information. Yes, Alice have ne- has nephews, but they're orphans because her sister and her sister's mate were murdered 50 years ago. I mean, okay, yes, I, I was, we were going to get there, but I was just appreciating Alice for a moment. <gasps> but yeah. I was like, okay, not only do you have these lovely nephews, they're now orphans. And 50 years to them doesn't mean much. But we find out like the oldest isn't even a, an adult and which is 75 years and Faye years means you're an adult, which you know what, maybe I won't feel like an adult till I'm 75 at this point. So I kind of feel them. I just want to make it to 75. Like, oh, uh, Libby, um, we've completely forgot to mention um, the huge elephant in the room. Oh, that Faye can't lie. Was that it? Because like, no. Nope. Okay. Oh. Hmm? T- Tamlin's the high lord, my dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that. But we found that out in chapter 14, remember, with the surreal. And then and then she gets, that's when we got to chapter 15, and she's getting attacked by the Naga, and she keeps thinking. Yes, but she saw him for the first time, and that's when I was like, oh. Hi, Lord. Okay, that's fair. Okay, yeah. I, you know, and after she got attacked, and she's, like, scooting away, part of me was like, I get that she's kind of afraid of what she just saw him do and heard of him. But also, like, is it intimidating that, like, you now, like, you are seeing him as a high lord now? I mean, also, she kind of got a little turned on. I mean, she did. Yeah. I, di- I didn't highlight that in purple, but, you know. Well... I was kind of impressed at his gentleness with her. Like she was almost in shock, I want to say is a good way to describe that. And he wasn't, he wasn't a, a complete jerk wad this time. No, I have actually uh, an emotional section where she goes, thank you. No, not just for this, for saving my life. I mean, I wanted to tell him how much that meant that the high lord of the spring court thought I was worth saving, but I couldn't find the words. Oh, that, that struck me. Oh my heart. That got me. And he's like, it's, it was the least I can do. Still in my brain, I'm like, what do you mean it was the least you can do? This woman killed your friend. What do you mean saving her was the least you could do? I, I, I told, I definitely resonate with that feeling. I feel like all of us at some point have felt like, am I even worth anyone's anything? Like, am I worth the attention? I'm worth the effort, the time. And yes, if you guys are still in that place, you are like for sure. Don't just wait. But we've all been there. I've been there. And there there are people in my life now and that have come in and out of my life that have made and reminded me that yes, like I, I am worth it. And so to Feyre, like that's her moment. That's her, this is canon. We cannot interfere. This is her moment of I'm worth it. Like I, I'm not here to serve other people. Someone was here to keep me safe someone wanted to protect me and wanted me alive for once and like oh well and then after hearing from the serials stay with the high lord yeah she's like well the high lord thought i was worth saving so like and then he says let's go home and Feyre hasn't had a home she had a house and well i mean she still doesn't feel like this is home which i can't blame her because of even though he ha- they seem to have turned a corner at this point. This seems to be a turning point for them. Up until now, 
they haven't had the greatest of relationships or the greatest interactions. So for her, like, she's not saying that it's not home, but she's like, I don't know. Like, nowhere feels like home to me anymore. Nowhere feels like a belonging place. So I'm... Hmm. Oh, shit. She does say that. Yeah. She says, I couldn't bring myself to tell him that the manor wasn't my home, that I might not even have a home at all anymore. Like, But in his head, he's like, let's go... Because it's such his... Like, that's his place. But... She's not throwing it in his face. You you know, a chapter ago, two chapters ago, she would have been spitting that line so fast, so furious. She would have been, yeah, his head would have been turning, spinning with anger. She would have been like, this ain't, this ain't home. Yeah, you know how that would have gone. And said she walks home in silence, allows Alice to give her hot molten chocolate, give her a bath and play with her hair and all things that four or five chapters ago were a fight she wouldn't have yeah don't touch me it's it's definitely like i said it's a turning point we can see that Feyre, whatever with everything that just went down she's finally come to a place where she doesn't feel like she has to fight she doesn't have to survive that she can just be I will say, I want to circle back. She finds out the fake can't lie. They can lie. I Secondhand embarrassment. Woo. And who tells her in the most sarcastic way? Who tells her? But Lucian. <laughs> Going, my girl, we can lie. And also, iron doesn't do shit. Oh, the way my mouth dropped when I read this. The secondhand embarrassment, the, the second hand, second ham. Oh my gosh. <laughs> second hams. <laughs> the cringe I felt for her. Like I was, oh, I was turning away physically, like shielding my face for her because it just hurt to know how absolutely embarrassing it was. And they knew. They were like, we knew that's what you thought. Well, yeah, because he says, we find lying to be an art. And we lied when we told those ancient mortals we couldn't speak an untruth. I'm like, that is so smart, though. You know, you know what got me, though? Like, I, I almost, I passed over it the first time. I almost passed over it again. But I did a double take. He said, we've never willingly lied to you. What do you mean willingly? I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't even take me a double take. If that is not some silver-tongued, smooth crap. We've never willingly lied to you. What? I want to know. What do you mean willingly? Explain this to me, sir. Okay, if we're going to go with questions from this chapter, what the heck was Alice talking about? Let Lord Tamlin deal with it. He's the only one who can. Oh, yeah. Why can't jerkface Lucian do it? (laughs) Look, Abby. What? (laughs) What is Mr. Tim Tam have to be the one that fixes everything? I, I don't know. Do you have a favorite quote? Oh, okay. Because can I guess what I think your favorite quote was? Yeah. It's in chapter 15. And it's right as she's escaping the Naga. Naga and it says, the tip glittered like a shooting star, star through the gloom of the forest. I don't know why, but I thought that was a very Libby a very Libby sentence. That that is that was a very close second one. I I was it really? It really was. Yeah, I was like, ooh, I love I love an aesthetic, a literary aesthetic. That mm. it went. That's that's got Libby written all over it. <laughs> there were a few things. I I know I know it's gross, but the way she described um, when the arrow hit the, one of the Naga's face and was like. Uh, 
and bone crunched with a horrific screech. I was like, oh, like the the visual of that and like the bone crunched with an air. Oh my gosh, like that. So that was that was a close one. But I still have to say the one that uh, the, that really got me. I'm trying to go back to it. Was it um, that the High Lord of the Spring Court thought I was worth saving, but I couldn't find the words? Yeah, I, it just, that kept standing out to me. Yeah, she tells him I wanted to tell him how much that meant that the High Lord of the Spring Court thought that I was worth saving, but I couldn't find the words. Like, uh, there's so much, she paints so many visuals, it was so hard to pick, but this. (laughs) Ha ha, she paints. This. (laughs) (laughs) That's so dumb. SJM bestie no but this just kept jumping out to me this the thought that like Farah sees other people finding her worthy and starts to find some self-worth as well I just oh I'm so we've got character growth what about you Abby favorite quote um I gave one of my ones earlier which was the um the my vow fulfilled my task complete what was left for me but I have a close second which is literally the page before that and it says, it's when Tamlin's explaining that when he, w- the war happened when he was a child, so he couldn't like pick sides on the fairy side or on the human side. But he said, against slavery, against tyranny, I would gladly go to my death, no matter whose freedom I was defending. Mm. Okay, Mr. Heartfelt Man. Right. Like, that was really sweet. That was like a, for me, a character building moment where I'm like, okay, not only are you the High Lord, but you've got. You've got some depth and you've got some morals too. We got a little more depth. Right. We get to see more about what makes Tamlin Tamlin. Oh, are we also going to just like fly by the fact that we found out he is the one that took her list out of the trash, her list of words? I thought that was so cute. I know Pharaoh's embarrassed and she's like, her face began to flush, but I was like, he took interest in you enough to see what you were struggling with, was able to joke with you with it. It was so funny because he says, is this a poem about murdering me and then burning my body? And all I'm thinking is like, she can't even read the words. And he's over here like, what is, what is this? I'm like, what? Trying to look into it. And she's like, sir, I have no idea what any of these mean. I didn't even know what they said. I didn't even know what I wrote. Bless her heart when she's like, when he read them out loud, I knew them all. And it was stupid that I couldn't read them. And I was like, oh, bless your heart. I mean, they kind of have like, it, it does. It hurts because she's still kind of embarrassed. But I, their interactions kind of funny and yet not funny because she's like good night like she's just done she's like yep good night nope i'm done i'm out and he's just like that that's when he turns and he's like you love them very much and it's just like oh like stop which also another moment where i'm like okay tim tam the monster man you have my heart right <laughs> tim tam the monster man yes it's been in my head for the last 30 minutes and i'm very glad i got it out it was that was another moment where i was like okay you're pulling the heartstrings like that was very sweet. I think he said what we're all feeling though because he's just like they they don't deserve you. They will they they don't deserve that. You know, like it just but we're all feeling it. And he's like fools. They're fools for not saying it. And you're just like, yeah. I don't want to agree with you, but yeah. And it's just like finally, like someone is like we're shouting it, but someone is telling her the thing that we all needed her to hear. I think my favorite part is the ending, though, <sighs> where she realizes that her heart is in her throat and she realizes that nobody's ever made her feel this way. And she gets so scared by it. She just leaves. <laughs> She's like, 
I'm out. That's too much emotion that I cannot handle after today. I feel like the best way to picture that is like, have you ever been in middle school and like you had like one of your first crushes and they seem to like maybe like you back and you're just like, oh my God, and you can't handle it. So you just have to be done with the entire interaction. Like that's... Can I tell you a story to end this? Because I 100% have that. Please do. There is this boy that I grew up with my entire life. My mom's best friend's son. This woman's like a second mom to me. And I, from the age of like seven, have had a crush on her son. I don't still have a crush. Mm -hmm. At all. (laughs) Which is why you can talk about it now. Right, of course. I'm not blushing. Anyway, um, so this boy... My brother was making fun of me and I remember him going, someday your sister is going to be drop dead gorgeous and you're going to regret ever being mean to her. And that just stuck with me my whole life. Oh, and I didn't know how to respond. So I just went, oh my God, and walked out. So yeah, been there, been there, done that. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just say you're, you've always been drop dead gorgeous, but still like, oh. Maybe, are you ready for our star of the week this week? I am oh my gosh have we we've been talking our s-o-t-w or s-o-t-w-a. style star style star of the week it is woolen ivy which is freaking adorable what a cute name the name alone makes me feel so comfy she has an instagram account that's called shockingly woolen ivy i know she even says she's an aesthetic nerdy and bookish gifts owner um, business owner she also has an etsy And again, I don't want to say that she's my favorite because I need to stop saying this, but her designs. (laughs) We're going to get some angry messages from like all of our stars of the week. I know, but her designs are so unique. And she wasn't kidding when she said that she's got some aesthetic stuff going on because it is gorgeous. She has like tank tops and shirts. Well, and it's not just Akatar. Like, if you're a Lord of the Rings girly or guy, or if you're like me and you like anything like Studio Ghibli, just go check it out. She's even got a Harry Potter stuff there. Like, there's a shirt. It's like the wool, the little sprites, the, the Miyazaki sprites, and I want it. It's pink and it's really cute. It's a t shirt. And if you're my husband and you're listening, wool and ivy, it's pink. Got the soul, the soot sprites. Skylar, wool and ivy. I will send it to you via text. It's so cute. I'm hearting it on, under your Etsy profile. You're gonna find it. I think one of my favorite things is her T-shirt that says, "I can't go anywhere without my emotional support book." <laughs> yes. Which, as an owner of an emotional support water bottle, I completely understand. Yeah. And then another one that I love is, if he ain't fictional, I don't want him. <laughs> I was joking with my husband the other day and I was like, you know, I love you so much. And he's like, I mean, I'd hope so. We're married. And I was like, but I have multiple other boyfriends. And he's like, excuse me. And I was like, but they're they're not real and they only exist in books. And he's like, I think I'm going to have to be okay with that. She's got, there's, there's a few, like, I'm so torn. There's one that says hex the patriarchy. And like, I've always... I love to say, like, take down the patriarchy, but this, I want to say this now. This is even better. But I'm also torn because there's something that says slow burn book club. And you know how I am about enemies to lovers or a slow burn. It's my thing. It's my niche. Oh, hold on. There's a quote from The Invisible the invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which is on my TBR. Is that what the cool kids say? 
Yes. From the not cool kids. Listen, it's it's the to read book list because it took me a good month to figure that out. Anyway, um, this book is on my to read list. And the quote from it is, there's defiance in being a dreamer. I love that. I like that. So cute. So our favorite Woolen Ivy has a short little blurb for us for you. And she says, having this shop has helped me connect with so many lovely people and making new friends with people who are in the same fandom as me. I love being part of the bookish and cozy gamer community. Knowing I share the space with other wonderful beings makes me proud to say I'm a nerd and a bookworm. Uh, she'd also like to share some books with you guys that are not Akatar related, which I'm here for. So she said some of her favorite series besides Akatar are The Old Kingdom by Garth Nix, Uprooted in Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, and Seven Waters by Juliette Marillier. It's French. Marillier? Marillier, okay, okay. So if that pronunciation is not right, um, I took two years of French in high school and that's been over 10 years. So I tried. Marillier, I think is how we say it. But guys, if you wanna go check her out, it's Woolen Ivy on Instagram and Woolen Ivy on Etsy. I think I'm going to have Libby, our Instagram connoisseur, post both of our favorite shirts because they're freaking adorable. Can I, I just wanna post her whole store. <laughs> Done. We're gonna be so broke. Okay, so calling all dreamers. We wanna hear from you guys still. Please be our first email. We're waiting. We were really hoping. <laughs> Send us an email to a court of thorns and podcasts at gmail.com. Tell us everything how you found the series, your favorite characters, your least favorite characters, questions you have for us, personal requests. If any of you are going to the Starfall Ball, I want to see your outfits. I want to see all of it. Please, I want to know everything. <laughs> Just fill, fill our inbox, <laughs> please. Oh my God, please send pictures. One single email. My husband, I'm listening to you too. Make us feel like we're not just a blip of dust in the universe. <laughs> okay, no, our husbands don't count. Skylar and James are not allowed to send us our first email. <laughs> Dang it. That's cheating. It just won't count. It'll be sweet, but still. It's a shared email though, guys. So watch what you say. Just saying, I don't think you would have opened a smutty email from my husband and I don't want any openness emails from yours. Skylar, please stop in advance. Thank you. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> to the people who listen and the dreams that are answered. We'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I can't this is like the sentence is the death of me Abby I know you're not listening right now but like I'm gonna lose my shit okay Tamlin assured Feyre that excuse me air freshener Shh. listen my old ass is like it's 1 30 in the morning you're not 18 anymore your bedtime is 9 p.m go to sleep <laughs>